Restoration, Revival, Reformation. This is a Renowned Faith broadcast. You can find more information at renownedfaith.com. Now, here is J.R. Darwin. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Episode 4. In Episode 4, I want to talk more about my own testimony, my personal testimony of how I was saved, how I became born again. And then I also want to talk a little bit about um, some spiritual things I experienced right after I was saved. You have to remember that I grew up in a Pentecostal church with a Pentecostal background. Uh, my grandparents were Pentecostal, and they are who I went to church with most often. And so I was very used to that type of church and that type of uh, experience. Now, after I came back from basic training, I finished out high school, um, my senior year, and then I went back into training and did advanced individual, individual training, AIT, with the military, it's basically where you learn your military job. And my military job was in computers and um, communications equipment, um, radio and satellite communications, and specifically tactical communications and the encryption of um, those communications. And so I went off to Georgia um, for a long training and it wasn't quite as strict as basic training, you know, and in the beginning it was pretty strict, but then they started to loosen up a little bit and we would get weekends off sometimes. And I really started to, you know, I should preface that I don't think I attended any church services or I didn't go to church, you know, at all during that training like I did in basic training. In basic training, I went to church every Sunday, but... uh Instead, I found myself, you know, at this training camp with the military. And I was on, I had classes on, <laughs> it was a very weird schedule. Um, we actually had class until, gosh, it was midnight. We were on like the night shift class. <laughs> and so we would eat dinner at midnight after class and then be back in our barracks to be in bed by 1.30 in the morning. And then we'd have to get up. I don't even remember what time, but we did, you know, PT physical training later on in the morning. And that was our schedule. Um, but I remember standing in, you know, in line and standing outside of um, the dining facility, you know, with my little flashlight reading my Bible. And it was like any free second I got, I wanted to read my Bible. And you know what was odd is uh, I, I was actually reading through Deuteronomy and some of the um, older books, you know, the books of the law, and God began to show me his holiness. He began to show me 
just how holy he is and compared compared to the rest of humanity. And in the contrast of his great holiness, I began to see a glimpse of our depravity, of man's separation from God because of sin. And, you know, throughout that training, I, I prayed a lot more. I read my Bible a lot more. I was seeking a lot more. And I was actually known in my class for the guy who reads the Bible all the time. Not because I was trying to make some show of it or, you know, anything like that. I was just very curious and wanted, I I just had to read it any chance I got. Any free time we got, I would read it. I had a little pocket version of it that I would keep in my cargo pocket. And uh, I had purchased it at a, I don't know, a bookstore around the base maybe. It was a little leather-bound one that had um, Old and New Testament in it. See, I had started with one of the little Gideon Bibles that they hand out to military personnel, and it, but it only had Psalms and Proverbs and the New Testament in it. And I'm like, no, 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 I have to read parts of, this, the, parts of the Old Testament. And so I had to go buy this little mini leather-bound Bible that I could was durable enough for me to put in my cargo pocket and carry around with me all day as I'm doing my military training. And so that way I could just pull it out, you know, and um, read it when I got a free chance. And so looking back on it, I see God was drawing me closer to him. And I became slightly changed. I, I can recall this one instance of, you know, I'm, I had never been a fighter. You know, I've never gotten in fights. I've never been one for violence. But in training, there was a guy, he was fairly new, and... He had said something to me and I said something back and it ended up getting heated and we pushed each other back and forth and he was getting ready to throw some punches. And the thing was, he, the floor in the hallway had just been waxed. You know, you have to wax and polish the floors of the military. And it was so funny because both of us were literally just slipping and sliding on the freshly waxed floor that wasn't finished and both trying to get a hit in. Now... Like I said, I'm not a fighter, not to mention that guy was twice my size and he would have probably smashed me to pieces. Um, (laughs) Fortunately, a friend of mine broke the fight up and pulled us from each other. And he was like, what are you doing? You know, you would have got your butt kicked. And I'm like, oh, crap, I would have. The point of the story isn't about how brave I was going up against somebody a lot bigger than I was. In fact, I actually felt terrible inside. I felt horrible about the whole thing. I went outside. I found a dark spot around the barracks, and I cried my eyes out. I had some kind of realization that I hadn't just sinned against that person in the hallway, that God was watching, and that I had somehow disappointed him, that I had sinned against the God of heaven. And that convicting power just came upon me and caused me to weep. Of course, I had to go find a spot where nobody was so I wouldn't let everybody else see I was crying my eyes out about the whole thing. And it wasn't because I was hurt. I didn't get hurt at all during the whole scuffle. But I think that that was one of the pivotal moments in my life where it was definitely the first time in my life that I look back and say, I really think that was the the convicting power of God upon me to recognize sin 
and be repentant of it. And so I got out of training. I was at that point done with high school and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next. You have to, I was in the reserves. Okay. I was in the, I was in the reserves of the military. And so after I did my two phases of training, you know, I would drill one weekend a month and that was it. So yeah, now I'm back from training. It's like, now what do I do with my life? You know, and I thought, oh, I'll go sign up for college. I'll go, you know, do this. And I did. I went and enrolled in college and thought, oh, I'll do that. And life kind of got away from me. I dropped out of college. And this one night in February, I decided that, let me back up a little bit. So throughout January and February, after I got back from my training, I continued to read the Bible. I continued to pray more. And it was only, I think, maybe the day I got back from that training. And you have to realize I was gone for something like three months. So I had gotten back from the training. And I decided that I really wanted to change my life and live for God more. And at that point in my life, I didn't exactly know what that meant still. I didn't exactly know how to go about it. And so... (laughs) I did what I knew to do and what I had read to do in the Bible. I decided to to fast. And so I put myself on a three-day fast. And I I prayed to God and I said, Lord, please, I'm going to fast for three days. And during those three days, I want you to draw me closer to you. I want you to give me clarity and understanding. I want to live for you. And those three days passed. I didn't feel too much different. But throughout... All of January, the Lord just kept pulling me closer and closer. And I can recall my car. There was a problem with my with my car. And I had tried to fix it. I don't know. It's something weird. And finally, I just thought, I'm just going to get down on my knees and pray about this. And I know <laughs> some of you can discount the story. But I'll tell you, I got up from that prayer. I went out and I started my car and it started fine. And I think at that moment, see, I wasn't using God. I wasn't, I was just, I was just thought, oh, I'll just pray about this and God can help me. And he did. And that was another step in my progression toward him because I thought, oh my gosh, I just prayed for this and it, and God answered it. He, he answers prayer and it may seem silly, you know, a car and having it start. But, you know, when you're, um, 19 years old, You know, your car is pretty important. Um, And then I got this urging, which was odd for me at the time, to set up a a stand at the local mall and hand out gospel tracts and just tell people about God. And at that time, that's all I had in mind. I thought, I just want to tell people about God. Still not quite knowing what the gospel was in the first place. I just started to have this desire to not only know God, but to tell other people about him. And so I was here I was thinking about how I was going to tell other people about him. And my crazy mind, I guess, came up with a booth in the middle of a mall, a shopping mall that was near me. And I went into the leasing office. It's kind of funny, a 19-year-old kid. Going into the leasing office of the mall, I want to rent a booth um, over by such and such store. Um, 
I can only imagine what the mall staff thought of me at that time, especially when I told them that it was going to be a <laughs> a place where all I do is hand out um, material, you know, Jesus material, talk to people about God. <laughs> they happily gave me the application. Um, <laughs> obviously, nothing came about because I had no money at the time. And I don't even remember how much rent was, not to mention they probably wouldn't even permit such a thing in the mall. Um, and so I just begin to feel my life and my heart change more and more on a daily basis. And I remember it was the first part of February of that year. God began to show me a lot of verses in the Bible about sin and the, the penalty of sin. And how sin has a price, and that price has to be paid. And I begin to research more about hell. And I begin to think, is it possible that I could go to this place, this terrible place of torment? I still believe in a literal hell. But at, at that time, I wasn't sure what to, what to think about the doctrine of hell. But the Lord began to convict me. And he began to show me how... Sin has such an awful price, and that in our sins we'll die. There will be no life in heaven for those who die in their sin. It'll be eternal death, damnation, darkness, fire. You ever wonder how there can be complete darkness and fire at the same time? It's a, it seems like a contradiction, but the, it's not, because... Hell will be a burning place of torment. And, I don't know, I, <laughs> I began to feel the weight of my sin. It was troubling to look upon a holy God and compare myself and see just how much I've fallen short of righteousness, of holiness. The law began to convict me. The scriptures began to convict me. And I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that my sin had a penalty, an awful, horrible, eternal penalty. And can I tell you at that moment, I was scared because I wasn't saved. I wrestled with this for about two or three days, this idea of sinfulness, this idea of a holy God and how to approach him. Ultimately, the gospel hadn't became real in my life and in my heart. There was something missing. Do you know what was missing? Jesus. The sacri sacrificial blood of Jesus. The sacrifice on the cross. If you'd asked me up until, you know, even at that point, if you would have asked me, do you believe in Jesus? I would have said yes. Do you believe he died for your sins? Of course I do. Do you believe the Bible? Yes. Are you a Christian? Yes. Yes, I am. But I wasn't. And that is what pierced my very being. This understanding and this knowledge that I'm a sinner, that I am a sinner, and I am in desperate need for a Savior. And up until that point, I hadn't found a Savior. Yeah, I'd given Jesus some lip service. Yeah, I'd, I, I would have admitted that I was a Christian, but it wasn't real to me. Some people might say, well, you, you didn't make him Lord of your life. You, you didn't ask him into your heart. You didn't do all of these other things that you were supposed to do. Can I tell you that it's more than that? 
We're talking about a heartfelt conviction from the Holy Spirit. So many times we want to trivialize and turn salvation into a religious mantra that has its basis far away from Christianity. Oh, just pray this little prayer and, and then believe that you're saved and you are. Even if you don't see any change in your life, even if you wrestle with sin every day and you have absolutely no change in your behavior. As long as you prayed that prayer, after all, you're fine. Just like the false assurance that I was given on the day of my baptism. Don't let anybody... Remember what the chaplain said? Don't let anybody tell you you're not saved now. You've already made the proclamation. You've already asked Jesus into your heart. You're saved, you're saved, you're saved. Just believe it. I can't believe something that's contradicting my nature and my heart at that time. My heart wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to lay down my life as Christ laid down his life for me. Didn't Jesus say that we should count the costs of of following him and being his disciple? Count the costs. This is a rough road, guys. Don't let people trick you into saying that being a Christian is an easy road because it's a hard road. It's a difficult road. And too many times you have preachers stand up and say, oh, come to Jesus. Your life will be so much easier, so much better. My friends, tell tell that to the apostles in the book of Acts. All but one of them were martyred. Look at Paul. He was beaten several times, imprisoned. My friends, they had a hard, hard life testifying to the gospel. Now, Jesus will walk with us every step of the way. He will be there to lift us up and to strengthen us. But I fear that we are advertising the gospel message in the wrong way. We're giving people a false assurance, not only of their salvation, but a false assurance that their life is going to be so much easier with Jesus. Their life is is indeed going to be a lot better, and their eternal life will be a whole lot better with Jesus if they truly accept him. But that's the problem. People are lured in by ministers and evangelists who are promising them all of these things if they would just follow Jesus. And they say, oh, okay, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to follow him. Yeah, just so I can I can get all these benefits and, you know. But they never lay down their life. They never make him Lord. They never take the Bible and apply it to their life. Jesus talked about the man who built his house upon sand and another man who built his house upon a rock. And he said that rock is his word. That rock is Christ. But too many people want to say that, oh, they've accepted Jesus, they're Christians and yet build their house on the sand and think that they can get away with it until a storm comes and knocks everything over. And then they begin to realize, wait a second, I built a house upon a pile of sand, not upon rock. And then what do they do? Do they go back and and look for the rock and and rebuild actually on the rock? No, I think most of them probably just build again on the sand. Because if they start out on the sand, they probably just finish on the sand. But if you start out on the rock, you build your foundation upon the rock. Let that rock be your foundation. Your house will stand. So it looks like this episode's over again before I even knew it. 
Um, so we got through a little bit of my testimony. Um, I just want to thank you guys for listening. Um, check out our website, renownedfake.com. And uh, I hope you're blessed. And uh, if you have any questions, uh, you can contact me through the renownedfaith.com website. Um, be blessed, everybody, and I'll see you for Episode 5. That concludes today's broadcast. We hope that you will visit our website at renownedfaith.com for more information about this ministry. We humbly ask for your continued prayers.